What's up, Literacy Advocates? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Laura Boyle. She is the art director at Dundurn Press. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. This is going to be part one of my visual storytelling series, Pros of the Craft. Today, I'm going to be talking with Laura about what is the life of an art director like? What's the role of an art director like at a publishing house? Her advice to other folks who work in the industry and some of the challenges she's had in uh, had to overcome in the industry. So, Laura, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I'd love for you to start off by just giving us a little bit about your professional background. Like, when did you realize that you wanted to start working in the publishing slash art world and how did that all happen? Oh, that goes way, way back to when I was a little kid. I mean, I'm not sure I knew I wanted to work in publishing, but because sure. I don't think I knew that publishing was a job that a person could have. Okay. Um, but as a little kid, I lived in a really small town and um, there was this bookstore called Owl's Nest and I was seven or eight. And I, I walked in there one day and asked for a job and the bookstore owner, Sandy, um, just allowed me to work there once a week. And what was your job as a seven or eight year old I'm sure at this bookstore? It couldn't have been anything super helpful to her. I mean, I don't think I knew what alphabetizing really involved. So I'm sure that I was just dusting. Um, I think I would, you know, make sure that books look tidy on the shelf. But this was a big, huge, rambling old bookstore that was over two stories, like covered almost an entire city block. So, you know, I just puttered around and and um, mostly probably looked, kept an eye out for books that I wanted to uh, to buy. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, when so we she'd send me home with one or two books at the end of each shift and, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, when we were talking the first time, you were like, I got paid in books. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, so. I think, yeah, uh, I think there's a kind of a cute story there because I, um, was taking home Archie comics and, and, um, babysitters club books. And that's all I wanted, which was great for a while. But then one day she kind of told me that I had to take home one, um, educational book. <laughs> so she kind of pushed me more towards reading a little bit more complex books. And that was, that was kind of nice of her kind of looking out for me. So Even if I through. presented it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So walk me through how you went from being an eight-year-old working at a bookstore to where you are now uh, as an art director for a publishing house. Well, um, uh, let's see. So I think that I I went to, to university for uh, art history and English. I did a um, minor in English literature and I had maybe forgotten about my dreams of working in books. Um, but after I graduated, I was kind of, maybe I didn't feel like, I didn't know what, what to do with myself until one day I remembered that I had this great love of books and an interest in working on them. And uh, so headed over to, I was living in Montreal at the time and I headed to um, Toronto to do one of the um, publishing programs at what is now called uh, Toronto Metropolitan University. And from there, I got a job at a 
very small publisher, an educational publisher that was um, reformatting the works of an educator called Caleb Gateno. And so the owner of this company had bought all of the, the intellectual property and we were trying to create a product that appealed to today's market since he had been pretty well, he had done well in the seventies and um, the program had kind of faded out. So we we're trying to revive this program. And that allowed me to have um, a little bit of involvement in, in many different aspects of publishing. I worked um, in editing and um, in the design of the books, but I also did things like uh, helping with the accounting and you know, maintain office maintenance, all these various aspects that are needed for running a publishing house. Um, and the part that I loved most was designing the books and working on some, some of the advertising um, materials. Um, so when an opportunity came up at Dundurn Press uh, for marketing designer, uh, that's what, where I headed. I got that position and then um, kind of worked my way up through Dundurn's um, art department from the marketing designer to junior to senior designer over a few years. And then four years ago, I um, became the art director. Was it difficult? So rewinding to when you did the initial trying to get into the uh, pro first program, um, was it hard to get into that program? And what was your, like, what was your title in the first, the first publishing company that you uh, ended up working for? It was actually junior editor. Um, that was my official title and I was hired as such, but um, yeah, the role just took on many aspects as because they were a fledgling company. Um, I kind of, it was just, they didn't have enough staff really to cover all the different um, needs of the company. So, so yeah, I took on design work. Um, and then the publishing program, uh, I don't remember, I don't think it was difficult to get into. Uh, it was a, it's uh, everyone in publishing, at least in Canada does a program like this. Okay. So it's a one year program and frequently um, you need to do uh, at least one, but most people do two or even three internships afterwards. So in a way, this job at Educational Solutions was, that's the name of the company, um, was kind of a good replacement for an internship. Um, so I was really lucky that I didn't have to do one because it's something that makes publishing or working in publishing pretty inaccessible for people because they need to be able to afford to work at a pretty low wage. So it's one of the barriers to access. Yeah. You, what was your degree at this time? So you you had just gotten out of school, I'm guessing. Do I have the timeline right? Yeah, so I had my bachelor's um, fine arts. And okay. then afterwards, and kind of simultaneously with the work at Educational Solutions, I completed um, a couple other um, design programs at. OCAD, which is Ontario College of Art and Design, um, and Ryerson, which is now called Toronto Metropolitan University. They've changed their name, but yeah, at the time how, it was Ryerson. Mm -hmm. How much clarity did you have around what you wanted to do 
around that time. So fresh out of school and you've gotten into this program, like how much clarity did you have around where you were headed? Did you know that you wanted to be an art director or no. what, what were you thinking at the time? I, I feel like it was a little bit, I mean, uh, it might've been a little bit uh, kind of making it up as I go along. Okay. Cause I think that everyone who starts out in the publishing program probably sees themselves as an editor. And it was kind of um, through taking a few design courses and also through the work of designing at the first job that I learned that I would, I had a preference for that. Okay. So then, um, yeah, I guess then learning about, I kind of, I, I guess I was very fortunate to be able to learn on the job in many of my roles and to be afforded the opportunity to just continue growing and getting better and um, getting experience from within. I feel like every, I hope that everyone is afforded that type of opportunity, but I know it's not the case. Yeah. At what point did you have clarity around uh, where you're, where you currently are now? Like at what point did you realize like, oh, this is what I want? Or do you feel like you fell into what you currently do like all the way through? No, I definitely didn't fall into what I do, although sometimes the way that I remember it makes it seem like an accident, but it was very intentional. Like I was heading towards that, but without probably, um, without plotting each step, one step after the next, it kind of feels like a natural progression. And yet, and yet, yet I'm exactly where I want to be. Um, and so, yeah, I was going to ask yeah. if you have aspirations beyond, I, I don't know what the aspirations are beyond art director and if you have them, but like, how do you think mm -hmm. about that? I have what other things the... that I like that I, I hope to continue doing. Like I, I worked on a children's book um, that I published three years ago now, and I hope to, to continue making more books. And what was the kid's book? It's called Ski, Ski, Ski. It's a book okay. for it. Th about three, three to four year olds. Um, it's about just the love of cross country skiing. Okay, we'll link that in the description cool, yeah. if I can find it. Yeah. Um, is it on Amazon? It is. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. It does is well there in the winter. Else where you'd want people to buy it? Uh, I do not have a different. No, I think at the moment Amazon is the place to buy it. But got it. So um, talk to me about talk to me about the challenge of becoming art director. For you personally, like what challenges do you feel like you have faced and have had to work on overcoming? And just like both the challenges that you feel just come with the role and also like your own personal challenges that you feel like you've had to overcome. Um, I, I guess part of the challenge of being a designer is, um, is kind of a perception that your job is just fun and that it, it isn't necessarily as serious as the other jobs. And so I think people don't, don't they underestimate um, the amount of, of work that is involved in, in what I do. And, and um, how do you typically you, handle that? Like, how do, you, how do you go about trying to solve for that problem? Uh, I guess it's partly just educating people on, on um, the reality of what um, 
of what is involved in designing. And so um, I've worked on a lot of like the process behind the cover. And so when people see it's, I've made the process like pretty transparent so that anyone at my company can look and see all the sort of phases. And so they can, they can then kind of get a sense of, of, okay, so it's not just like a, a one week, you know, it, it takes months and months to develop a good cover and it, and then even once it's developed, there's a lot of negotiating involved. And um, yeah, so as the art director, I'm representing a lot of different interests. I'm in representing the author's point of view, their wishes, and the artists who I'm working with and trying to make sure that they their time is taken seriously. And then also the needs and um, desires of the publisher. And what How do those need. interests typically collide with each other? Well, I guess like everyone can sometimes have their own idea. There's a lot of different um, ways that a book cover could be represented. And sometimes when, when there's a difference in opinion about how that book cover should be presented, then I have to kind of be an intermediary and sort of try my best to represent those different ideas and at least at least take into consideration and to try to like maybe synthesize um, these ideas into something that works. Because the worst thing that could happen would be like some hodgepodge of of representing um, you know when when something gets micromanaged it can actually not do very well. Yeah. So are you typically to, doing this over email or like, and also just, is there anything that you've figured out that you're like, this is, this is the way I typically handle these problems. Now I, I typically do X, Y, Z. Uh, I think it's different for each situation, each scenario. So I'm, you know, it's over email mostly. And then I meet with the team. I meet with, a, a members of the marketing and sales and editorial and sales reps. I don't, yeah, so I'll take in their opinions. And then often I will present these to the author as kind of like a very, um, a very well laid out argument so that it's not, it doesn't feel like they're being overridden. It's more like the, these are things that we need to consider and they'll often see the logic of that. And, and it's, it will feel um, better knowing that we've, you know, put a lot of thought into the decision yeah yeah switching gears when we talked before you brought up imposter syndrome and yeah. so i think imposter syndrome is just endemic it's just part of anyone that works anyone that's a working artist i've met so few working artists myself included uh that uh that don't struggle with imposter syndrome like i've struggled with it what's your experience with imposter syndrome like how does how has that manifested for you and how have you figured out how to deal with it um, yeah, definitely encountered imposter syndrome in my career, and especially now as an art director, um, it's kind of um, goes hand in hand with feeling like I have authority in my position. And uh, I guess I'm often um, in situations where I do need to have some control over the situation and to, to have to have a sense of authority, just in able to, in order to be able to persuade um, someone that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, it's just a process for me, like of of actually um, 
knowing that I have decades of, well, not decades, but over a decade of experience and like um, hundreds and hundreds of um, projects beneath, um, under my belt. So I have that authority, like, and I've, I've, I guess, I think, yeah, it's just a matter of believing in yourself. Although yeah. that's easier said than done, but imposter syndrome, I've heard never goes away. It's just kind of a practice like that you can reaffirm each time that it creeps in that, that you're, you know, on the right path and doing yeah. the right thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sort of like a combination of experience and then, and then the belief that you sort of realize that you ought to have about yourself because of the experience. That's but like, right. At least yeah. for me, like the only way that I've found to solve imposter syndrome is to just have imposter syndrome while I go and get the experience that I need to then have the right beliefs about myself. Right. To yeah. Imposter syndrome. It's true. Like, cause I've started thinking of like um, self doubt as it's not necessarily true, but it is a hint from yourself that it's telling you like, this is an area where I want to feel more secure. So the only way to do that is, as you said, to go out and, and find that experience. Yeah. Now you interface with artists and I have a lot of friends that work in, at, that are you know freelance artists. And I thought it'd be really awesome to ask you for your advice to artists. So what are some common issues that you see? Like how, how, like what's your interface like with artists? Like how do you find artists that you work with? And then I would just love to hear your best advice to artists that want to have a successful career when it comes to publishing. I think that it's crucial when it comes to publishing to have a really versatile um, style if possible. Like if you wanna work on a lot of different projects, then it's really great if you have an adaptable um, or like extremely versatile portfolio. And um, another, I think most illustrators will know this, but um, just keeping an eye on trends in design. And, and when it comes to book covers, like specifically there are, there, there are pretty specific trends that you can notice over time. So just, um, kind of keeping track of that by, you know, following different publishers and, and then once you find out the illustrator that's behind the cover, you can, you know, fo follow them on social media or what like, kind of trends are you talking about? Like when you say trends, are you talking about like color? Are you talking about typography? What, what do you mean? Well, okay. So typography is one thing and it's not always the um, illustrator that will take on the typography for a project. Um, but if, if you are able to do both, that's a big, plus in my books because, um, well, that's just like, that allows the, uh, the artwork and the type to be like very well, um, um, you know, interconnected. But uh, yeah, so type is one, but also just visual styles of representation. Like, I mean, uh, one that I can think of is like the Saul Bass style of illustration. And um, it's kind of on its way out maybe, but for a few years there, it was like really big on book covers. Like the, the I don't know if you know what I mean. Is that a particular artist? Saul Bass did all the old movie posters in the, I wanna say like like the Hitchcock posters. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, 
it's like a bold style that's got it's, it's kind of unique um, and this trend you said it's on the way out but it was a big trend in what like genre of covers uh fiction got it and i don't know if it's necessarily on the way out but i just noticed that it was like pretty like that would just mm. see cover after cover using the style a couple of years ago but it'll still be probably what, what's your best for a while. What's your best advice for an artist who's trying to pick up on the different trends? Is it just follow all the major publishers and pay attention to what the covers are looking like? Or do you have anything else? That yeah, you or recommend? like visiting bookstores is a good way to see. Um, to, like when I walk into a bookstore these days, I'm like overwhelmed by a sea of color. Right now, it's all about like the more vibrant, the more eye-catching, like extremely saturated colors that you can. Uh, manage like that's what's on the shelves that's what's being displayed face out so um I don't know if that's going to stick around forever because eventually you know we'll probably go the completely opposite direction right. and now it'll be the the black and white cover that's you know hot so yeah, yeah. you had a particular complaint about email when we talked uh the first time so what what, what was that what's your advice to artists when it comes to like email and their portfolio so personally, I'm not opposed to um, unsolicited uh, submissions. I, I do like, I do look at the portfolio and I file it away and I, I won't necessarily get back to the artist unless I have a project for them to work on. But when someone reaches out to me and doesn't um, even know, like they say, oh, I love the work that Dundurn does and I think I'd be a perfect fit. But then I look at their portfolio and they don't, they're say like uh, a, for very young children, um, their focus is, is for, and we don't publish like small children books. So we don't like board books. Um, I guess it gives me the automatic sense that they don't actually, they didn't specifically write to me. They're just kind of, you know, casting a wide net. Um, I guess it kind of undermines the, what they're saying. Do you have any specific advice for illustrators when it comes to like how best to reach out to and try to connect with um, with art directors? Um, I guess just having a kind of intentionality, like um, finding people who are the right fit and and then getting their contact information. Like I don't recommend um, just hitting people up through instant messenger <laughs> or even I don't personally use LinkedIn to find illustrators. Um, the best way for me is through the Dundurn email address, but I can't speak for all um, publishers, but that's my preference. What's, um, what's interesting to me is I've noticed a lot of art directors are really active on Twitter. Uh, and yeah. I've seen them retweet um, stuff that they've gotten from from uh, illustrators that they that they like, so there so there is some really thoughtful way to reach out to art directors. I'm assuming that they really like to be reached out to. So um, yeah, yeah, and it, it might be different for every every person. Like maybe I'm not super active on Twitter. I'm just starting to learn that platform, belated as it is. So um, that for me isn't. But I've also yeah, I have seen calls for submissions via um, via Twitter. And so you prefer uh, to be reached out to via email. Yes. And um, a new thing, too, that I've started doing is actually calls for submissions. And that is a great way of knowing that that you are reaching out to the right 
place to someone who actually wants to see portfolios. So um, keep your eye out for calls for submissions, definitely. And yeah, just having your portfolio in, in a bunch of different places. So having it on Instagram, but also if you're say a woman, um, you could probably have a portfolio on women who draw, which is a place where I found some artists or um, I don't go looking through Behance, but I know a lot of art directors do. So yeah, just, I guess, having a, a variety of places where you have your, your host, your portfolio is good. What are your thoughts about sending uh, postcards? Cause I know that's a big trend. I love receiving postcards. Like I think it's so quaint in a way. It's a, I would imagine a big expense for the illustrator. So I don't necessarily expect it or only use people who reach out to me that way. But I mean, it's, My it's very nice is that touch. their agents are, are helping with that and that I mean, I guess it depends on whether the artist is represented or not, but yeah, I guess my hope so. would be that it would be the agency that is like footing the bill for that. Um, I actually, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd love to, to know how they decide, how artists decide to do that, because um, I'm not sure, but I, my, all I my can company, say is... Dinosaur House, is transitioning over to, because like we produce kids' books, but we also are ripe to be an agency because we have full time artists. Right. Um, and so I've just been doing a lot of trying to think through like what are the best, most thoughtful ways to get their portfolios in front of people that can hire them. Um, and I know for me, I'm like, well, it's a no brainer for us. Like we just figure out like who, who wants to receive postcards and we start sending postcards. Cool, yeah. And, and when, but, when someone is represented by an agency too, like it, uh, if that's a possibility for an artist, then it's a good idea because it does, then protect you. Um, and then that agency will be sending out things on your behalf, as you said, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Laura, I'm so grateful that I got to talk to you about all this stuff. It's so interesting to get a window into other aspects of the book publishing world. This was super fascinating. And I know that anyone who's listening who has any sort of artistic bend is going to be fascinated by this either oh, that's because great. they want to be the artist or they want to go a similar route that you've gone so thank you so much for taking the thank time you. where are you most active on social media for folks to connect with you uh instagram it's just uh laura boyle book design awesome cool and i Put also i started an instagram too for the dundurn press um so that would you could find us through dundurn design Awesome. Great. Okay. I'll link all of that in okay. the description of this episode. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Thank you.